listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. this horrendous i know we're gonna work with it though hey y'all in all seriousness we've come to expect stuff like this on tuesdays when we have a gathering um honestly our team has kind of gotten to where we're waiting for it um microphones aren't gonna work my voice is gonna go out connor's dog is gonna eat poisonous plants like something is going to happen on these tuesday nights um and I've, cho- <laughs> I've chosen to view it as a blessing. Um, I feel like it means the Lord's here with us and that the enemy, there's something that he wants to stop. Um, and so that's the attitude we're gonna take with it tonight. And I really hope you will tune in despite my voice. Like I know, I know it may be distracting at times, but lock in with us because I'm confident that the Lord has something he wants to say to us tonight. And there's some reason that that our enemy doesn't want us to hear this. So let's just pray at the beginning and then we'll dive into the word. God, thank you for this time together tonight. And we do pray that your presence would fill this room. God, you filled it with your people. And we pray now that you would fill it with yourself. And Lord, would you bless the teaching of your word? Lord, I couldn't come with words of wisdom or persuasive speech if I wanted to tonight. But Lord, I only come in the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that's what we want more than anything tonight. Can we pray all these things in your holy name? Amen. So tonight, um, we're talking about death and time and what do we do with our time in light of death. Um, And it feels like kind of a strange topic maybe, but the teacher in Ecclesiastes talks a lot about it. And it's no stranger, it's no uh, foreign topic to our culture, if you will. Rachel and I have been watching a documentary. We finished it up last week called Limitless on Disney Plus. If anybody's seen it, it features Chris Hemsworth. And the idea of this documentary is he's trying to break through the limitations of this human life to live as long as possible. He, he, he works with a doctor whose specialty, so he specializes in the science and art of longevity. So he's trying all sorts of different things to figure out how do we live longer here? That's the whole goal of everything he's doing. And he tries things. Um, They test his strength. They test his mental agility. um, They're testing his uh, ability to handle extreme temperatures. There there are five different tests that he goes through. um, Stress management, all these different things he tries out um, to find coping mechanisms, if you will, to live longer. And that's the goal of it. And it's actually a pretty fascinating documentary. And there are honestly a few things that I'm thinking I might implement in my own life. Um, And honestly, at the end of it too, you just want to visit Australia and you want to talk like Chris Hemsworth does. Um, At the moment, I would just like to talk like any of you, honestly. Um, But it also, there, there is so much within that documentary that highlights this struggle that we have wanting to break out of the limitations of being a human, the constraints of time, and ultimately knowing that there is a day where we will die. And I couldn't help but think about this night as I watched that documentary, just thinking so often the ticking of the clock 
and death itself feel like the enemy. Now, maybe you're not there because we're all still pretty young, but there will probably come a day where it feels like that. And we need to know how to live in light of it. Do we just ignore death and just, man, we'll deal with it when it comes one day? Do we dwell on it and think, golly, like every day I need to have that in mind and live my life in light of death? Is that how we operate within it? Um, How do I avoid wasting my life in the time that I'm given here is ultimately the question that we're asking. I mean, we're going to look for perspective tonight in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Probably it's one of the most popular poems in the whole world, Um, whether inside the church or outside the church, often people are familiar with the poem and don't even realize it's from the pages of the Bible. Um, And what the teacher helps us do in chapter three of Ecclesiastes here is he helps us detach a little bit, if you will, to, to step back and be able to look at our life a little bit from that 30,000 foot view rather than the right here view that we have all the time. That's what he's trying to help us do tonight. Um, And my hope is that as we learn together, we're going to let the idea of death and the reality of death teach us how to live today. That's where we're headed tonight. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we're going to read starting in verse 1. Verse 1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. I think that one's interesting. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The key thing I want you to see here at the beginning, again, I feel like he gives us almost a a thesis statement at the beginning of this poem like he has in past weeks. Just in verse two, when he says, there is a time to be born and a time to die. He starts off with this really mundane sentence, like these are the facts, right? I mean, it's something that we all know, but I wonder if it's something that we hardly ever think about really. Um, And so before we go any further, I just want you to think, like when you think about death, like what emotions are stirred in you? Like, is that a scary thing? Is it a peaceful thing? Is it just kind of strange to you? Is it something that's not even on your radar at all? Uh, and if it's not, not to be morbid, but I might remind you, Jesus was 33, right? I'm 33 right now. That, that hits home a little bit. And like, we, we don't know how long we have um, and we ought to make the most of the time we do have. But whatever death makes you feel, whatever you feel right now, whatever you feel in future days, it's a reality for us, right? Um, and the question really is just, are you going to be ready for it? And there was actually, I came across this as I was studying for this. There was this guy in, a long time ago, 1675. His name's Vic de Turin. I don't know this guy, but I thought a quote he had was interesting. He was fatally wounded in a bat, the Battle of Salzbach. No historians in the room even know what that is. Um, but this guy was fatally wounded in battle. 
And before he passed away, he told his peers around him, I didn't intend to die today. I was like, well, brother, you were in war. Like you needed to be ready. Like, you know, none of us intend to die on a given day. This guy was not prepared to face that reality in his life. And I think the teacher starts here in this poem um, to get us to accept that fact before we move any further. Like, accept that fact before death can actually teach us how to live today. And I want to read some other thoughts that the teacher gives us in Ecclesiastes on death. And, and as I read through these, I want you to keep in mind, like some of this is like dark stuff and you're gonna be like, this isn't the Bible. Um, but just, just remember, this is his end of life review. Like he's looking back on his life, what he's learned, all the thoughts that went through his mind all along. So like walk through this thing with him. He, he's giving us permission to wrestle with God in some ways. And I wanna encourage you just before we even read any further, like God is okay with your questions. God is okay with you wrestling with things that you struggle with, with him, anger or disappointment towards him. Like he's okay with that stuff. He wants you to bring that stuff to him. I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but um, and, and some of y'all last week asked for my notes. I'm gonna be jumping around Ecclesiastes a lot tonight. If you would like to have my notes later, just ask me and I'll give them to you. But this is the later in Ecclesiastes 3, starting in verse 18. I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust and to dust all return. Later in chapter nine, he says this, so I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful, as it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun, the same destiny overtakes all. And he keeps going, the hearts of people moreover are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts while they live. Afterwards, they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope, even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. That's heavy stuff. Like he is in a, in a dark place when he's writing these things and when he's thinking back on these times in his life. And, and again, I just want you to remember, like we're wading through this thing with him to get ultimately to the conclusion of the matter. And I want you to pay attention when you see those key phrases like we talked about the first week there in, in chapter nine, verse six, he ends with says, everything that happens under the sun, under the sun, like these dark thoughts that he's having, they are trapped under the sun. Those thoughts are trapped in the mindset that this is all there is. And then one day we die and that's it. 
And if under the sun is all there is, then man, who cares how you live? Like death has no meaning. Your life has no meaning. Do whatever you want. But that, that can't be his conclusion because he wrote all this for us, right? Like if death is truly meaningless, if your life is meaningless, if time is meaningless, why take the time to write this to us? That's not his conclusion. This is a dark place he was at one time, but that is not where he ends. And I wonder if maybe that's an encouragement to somebody in here tonight who's in a dark place. As I've studied this book uh, more than I ever have before, one of the things I've really enjoyed is how much you have to really wrestle with this book and dig deep to find the truths and find the hidden gems that are within it. He, he, never, he never leaves us hopeless. It feels like he does at times, but he never leaves us hopeless. You just got to be paying attention for it when it comes. Um, and, and hidden in the middle of this book in chapter 7, you can turn there if you have your Bibles, chapter 7. I think he shows us, it's kind of this confusing, like almost a, just a throwaway line that you could gloss over. But he gives us this one line that I think shows us where he at least starts to break out from this under the sun mindset. And it's in chapter seven, it's verse two. And it says, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Does that sound funny to anybody? It's better to go to a house of mourning <clears throat> than to a house of feasting. That just sounds dumb. Like who in their right mind would, over, would overlook the house party to go to the funeral. Like nobody's, nobody's choosing that option, right? This sounds really foolish to us until we start to think a little bit deeper on it. And, and on Sunday, uh, I had the honor of performing the, it was a celebration of life service for our neighbors across the street uh, whose little girl passed away. She didn't make it quite to full term in pregnancy. And it was unfortunately their, their fourth miscarriage that they've had. And they wanted to celebrate this little girl and their, their three previous children um, that they hadn't gotten to bring all the way into this world. And I, I imagine maybe you've been at a place like that. Like you've been at a funeral like that. You've been at a funeral of some kind where, man, it's the end of life. You're at the house of mourning. It's like nobody's picking that over the house of feasting. So, so what is he talking about here? Uh, you've been to the funerals yourself. I know in, in college, where, right, where some of you are, I had already been to the funeral of two of my high school friends. I went to the funeral of one of my best friend's dad. Uh, since that time in the last few years, I've done the funeral for my grandmother, my grandmother-in-law, and most painfully, my, my mother-in-law. And there's no way I'm choosing the house of mourning over the house of feasting. Like, that's not the place that I want to be. Those places are, are the worst. What is he talking about here? Keep reading in that verse too. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a, a house of feasting. Here's, here's how he, he brings it into the light. For death is the, is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. I read these lines to that group that I was with on Sunday celebrating their daughter and just encourage them, man, like take this moment, like don't miss the moment that you're in to reflect on your life because one day it will end. 
Don't miss a moment like that. That's what he's saying. Like going to the house of feasting, that's fun. Man, you're just ignoring life though in some ways. The house of mourning though makes you reflect. It makes you stop and think. Like you can't avoid the emotion in the room in that setting. That's what he's getting at here. I mean, Nathan was working the sound for us that day and he told me before that particular funeral, he said he had been uh, working another one not too long ago where there was a man who had died and there was friend after friend went up to say something about him. And the common theme that came up for this guy's life was, man, he loved ACDC. What do you want the common theme to be at your funeral someday? I'm gonna guess it's not that you were a big ACDC fan. I hope there would be more meaning to it than that. What do you think the theme would be? What do you want it to be? I mean, if those aren't the same thing, what needs to change? Those might be some questions to write down and take home with you later. Um, if, if, if what would be said at your funeral right now is not what you would want it to be, man, what needs to change to make that happen? Is death meaningful? Yeah. Yeah, when you'll actually think about it, God uses it um, to jolt us to attention so that we might d- determine and decide how we want to actually live. That we wouldn't just let life happen to us, that we would live on purpose and find meaning in the life that God's giving us. Because the truth is, everybody dies. <laughs> that, that's the first truth. Everybody dies, but y'all know this, not everybody truly lives. Everybody dies, but not everybody actually lives. Like I want, I want my life to count for something. And I think you probably do too. So we got to figure out what, like we're accepting death. We're reflecting on our life now. We need to keep digging to see what the teacher says. What do we do with our time? What do we do with our life while we're here? Let's move back into this poem, back into verse two. See what he says about the seasons of life. I wanna read these again. Um, Starting back in in verse two, y'all know that one by now. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And I'll stop there and you can read it for yourself again later. But notice the, the whole spectrum of life that is included in this poem. There are very intentionally, if you notice, there are 14 pairs of aspects of life here. And if you know some of the Hebrew language, I'm going to guess some of you do, but that, that, uh, the number seven is the idea of wholeness or completeness or perfection. And he goes ahead and doubles that for us and gives us 14 pairs of opposite ends of the spectrum. He's talking about all of life there is a season for. And we see one important note to make here is that as you see these things, some of these things are gonna like war and peace. Like we don't like war, right? But there's a time for that when it, when it has to happen, right? We see it throughout history, but there, there's no, none of this includes sin, right? Like there's never a time for that. I wanna make sure that is evident um, as, as we keep moving forward because we see all of these attributes of life. We see them all in God's character throughout scripture. So none of these things are sin. They all have their appropriate time. But in in the spectrum of emotions and work and relationships 
and family, you're going to experience all of these things. They all have their time. And my encouragement for you as we, as we finish the night, our thought that was going to keep going throughout the rest of the night is this like, man, you need to, to be in whatever season you're in. Like, like, don't blow it off. Like, God has brought this season into your life for a reason. I know that is not what some of you want to hear because you hate the season of life that you're in. But God brought it into your life. He allowed it into your life. However you want to look at it, it's here for a reason. And that purpose is to draw you closer to God. I think we can look at this poem again through this lens of Ecclesiastes 7.2. I mean, if, we, if we think about this idea of the house of mourning and the house of feasting again, um, here's the thing about the house of feasting. Maybe this season of life that you're in, like I just said, maybe you're in a really hard season. That house of feasting for you may be the thing that you go to to ignore the season of life that you're in. Like maybe you've got a house of feasting that you run to that at the end of the day you're going to so that you don't have to go to whatever house of mourning or house of emotion or whatever it is. You don't want to go to that place. So I'm going to find that house of feasting however I've got to get to it. It's a distraction from the realities of life. For some people, maybe it's your scrolling that lets you check out and ignore the comment that you heard at work today. Maybe it's a, a drink that you turn to for just, just chasing a buzz instead of working through whatever the tension is with your family or your spouse. Maybe it's your, your new friend that you hang out with. Maybe that's your house of feasting is your new friend because you're trying to escape apologizing to the old friend that you hurt and you just don't want to deal with the conflict there. Maybe it's turning on the TV to just any channel that you can find because you can't handle silence anymore because you're angry at God or you're disappointed at something that happened and you don't even know how to pray anymore. What, what's your house of feasting? What is the vice you turn to when you want to ignore whatever season of life you're in? And what do you need to do to get past that vice and actually live where you are and embrace the season that you're in. Listen, y'all, don't distract yourself to death. Don't, don't get to the end of your life and look back and realize you never actually let yourself feel anything because you constantly hung out at the house of feasting where you could ignore life. Don't get to the end of your life and feel that way because y'all, every season of life you go through, it's meant to draw you closer to God if you'll, if you'll let him do it, if you'll let him do it. You can ignore it. You can push God away. You can do that. But man, choose the wiser route. Choose the route that leads to more of God, that leads to you looking more and more like his son who's the author and perfecter of our faith. Like that, that's where we want to end up no matter what season of life you're in. We want to come out on the other side of it because look, there's a better season coming if you're not in the one that you like right now. There's a better one coming. And if you're in a great season right now, like, no, there's a, there's a tough one probably coming at some point. Embrace whatever season of life you're in because this season, man, it's an opportunity to acknowledge God's sovereignty over time and to trust his timing in all things. It's an opportunity to trust that God is still good even in difficult stuff. It's a, this gathering itself is an opportunity to take a moment and acknowledge 
what season of life you're actually in. Like, man, is there something in that poem you really resonated with and said, yep, that's where I am right now. I would encourage you with these. Isaiah 40 says, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. Isaiah 40, 31. Psalm 31 says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times, my times are in your hands. Friends, death becomes meaningful when it helps you truly live in the season that you're in. That's when death finds its meaning. And there's more to it that we're going to see in just a moment. Uh, I told you about the, the documentary we've been watching earlier. There's actually a sixth episode of that documentary that I didn't mention earlier. And the final episode of this documentary is a deep dive into aging and death. And the episode is titled Acceptance. And it was really interesting watching Chris Hemsworth go through that process. They, they simulated aging. They put his wife into a suit that made her look like she had aged 50 years and he walked in and saw her and didn't know it was happening. They put him in a coffin at one point and he could only handle it for a few moments. It was a really interesting experiment showing, man, how much we like. That is not a reality that I want to live in. They wanted him to come face to face with the fact that we only have so much time and it's a gift from God and he, and he, he determines how much that we get. Um, and it just kept making me ask the question, like, why is that hard for us to accept? Why, why is it that we, um, we, we can trust God with all sorts of stuff, but man, maybe at times it's like, golly, Lord, like, I don't, I don't even know what to do with death. Um, and, and I think here's part of the truth. If you look down a little bit farther in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, he says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time, but we embrace the season of life that we're in. And I love this next line. He has also set eternity in the human heart. He set eternity in our hearts. Whether you're following God or not right now, you know it. And if we trust the Bible, we, we see that death was never meant to be part of the equation. Like death was the child that was brought in holding the hand of its parents, sin, when sin entered the picture. Death was never going to be part of God's creation when he made it perfect. Eternity is what we're made for. Like that is what we're wired for, y'all. And, and death doesn't feel right to us because it's not. It is not, that is not how God made things in the beginning. Deep down, we all know there is more than just this life under the sun, right? We all know it. And you, maybe you're even fighting that right now. Maybe you want to believe that this life is all there is and that there's no God out there. But y'all, you know it deep down. Eternity is in your heart. And on the one hand, death, like we've been talking about, it's meaningful because it teaches us to live and it teaches us to long for eternity. And on the other hand, death is meaningful because death itself made a way for us to have a relationship with God for eternity. Like death made the way for us to eternity because there was one death that didn't last. 
there was one death that didn't last and it was the death of Jesus and in his death and resurrection brings both of those realities into this beautiful truth that that his death and his defeat of death gives us eternity it gives us that eternal life that we know we're wired for but it also gives us abundant life today like we don't just wait in this life for eternity no no we we get a good life today, an easy yoke following Jesus today. Psalm 16 says this, in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand, at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore, for eternity. Well, we get that. We get to be in his presence for eternity. And Jesus in John 10, 10 says, I've come so that they might have life and have it abundantly. Like y'all, we, we get both of them. Because of one particular death, Jesus's death, we get eternity that we long for and we get an abundant life here and now. And when you find that life through Jesus, all of a sudden, man, you've found your purpose. You've found your meaning and your whole life now is wrapped up in the purposes of God because all of a sudden you realize there is more than just this life under the sun and there is a God who is in control and he is the only one whose works are going to last forever and that's what I want my life to be for. And that's the place I hope we would get to tonight. And when you walk out the doors tonight, like you're saying, man, I want my life to be wrapped up in those purposes that are gonna last forever. If we keep reading in Ecclesiastes chapter three, here's how he concludes this. And here's how I get to this idea. He's also said eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for people to do than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Verse 14, because I know that everything God does will endure forever. Man, we get to enjoy this life. This can be a good life. This can be an abundant life. But man, the stuff that God does, that's the stuff that lasts forever. That's the stuff I want to find my meaning and my purpose in. And here's, I wanna, I wanna give you this reality as, as my last thought of the night. And honestly, I just thought of this while we were singing. It, it's hitting me as, as y'all are singing, as I'm looking around the room like, man, in one sense, all of us are already dead. You, you're in one of two places. You are either spiritually dead and, and you don't have a life where, where you've trusted your life with Christ. And friend, I would strongly encourage you to consider the fact that scripture would say you are spiritually dead right now and you will have an eternity, but it will not be with God. And brother, sister, I would, I would implore you to change that tonight. And if that is, if that is not the reality for you, you, you are dead in another sense. And this is a good sense. You are dead to yourself and you are alive to Christ. And every day when you wake up and you put your feet on the floor, you get to do one thing. You say, okay, God, I'm going to die to myself. One of my mentors, Tim LaFleur said it this way. He said, every day you wake up and you have a funeral and a coronation. And that's what we're going to do tonight. As we close, we're going to have a funeral and a coronation. We're going to die to ourselves. And then what we do is we're gonna crown Jesus King. That's what you do when your feet hit the floor in the morning. You say, all right, God, my desires, 
my aspirations, all the stuff that I think would be great, I'm gonna lay those down. And I'm gonna say, God, whatever you want to do, that's what I'm gonna do with my day because I know that is the stuff that's gonna last for eternity. So let's do that right now. Let me, let me pray over you. And I want us just to have a funeral and a coronation right here in the room right now um, for you to do in your own mind and your heart with God yourself. And I do wanna encourage you too, um, and some of you, like we were talking about earlier, some of you might be in a dark place tonight. I mean, I, and I don't know all the different hurts and whatnot that, that have come up in your life. Man, maybe you're walking in in a really, really hard season. And I just want to encourage you again, like, man, there's, there's a better season coming. There's a better season coming. And I want you to trust that and trust God with that and believe that. And if you're, if you're that person who is... Uh, that realize maybe just now for the first time that you find yourself in a place where you're dead spiritually. And uh, I want to use that word dead because that's what scripture says in it. And it sounds kind of weird to us, but man, you're dead and you're coming to fact. You're coming to reality with that fact right now. Oh, man, change that tonight. Come talk to me afterwards. I'm, I'm really good at listening tonight because I'm no good at talking. I would love to listen to where you're at and listen to what God is doing in your life and, and talk you through that. Um, let, let me pray over you now, wherever you're at tonight. God, I pray that we would acknowledge you as sovereign tonight. We would acknowledge that you are in control of all things. And that includes my life and my breath and my time here. God, right now we die to ourselves and this ministry crowns you king we crown you king Jesus we want to worship you in that sense we want to live our lives in that sense God when we wake up tomorrow morning would you have that on our mind first thing that you are the king and I need to lay myself down God, would you be faithful to show yourself as the good king over and over again? Lord, we love you. We're grateful for your love for us. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.